horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thank you for listening. Greatly enjoy your listenership, and I hope you enjoy the show. i got a good one for you this evening. Of course, uh, the times are changing as far as the point system is concerned for the Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks. And uh, so we are going to take two races that are ramping things up. 50, 20, 10, 5. So pretty much you win one of these two races and you are going in the gate in the Oaks or the Derby. The Oaks race we'll be looking at is the Grade 3 Honeybee. And uh, for the boys, 50, 20, 10, 5 up for grabs. It's the Rebel. Bob Baffert can't get any points, but he can get $600,000 as the purse is a million dollars. And so we will be bringing in Vic Stauffer from Oaklawn Park to help us uh, with the uh, outline and analysis of those two races. And also with us, let's not forget a nice little race that happens over in Saudi Arabia called the Saudi Cup. It's worth $20 million, which I think puts us at the top of the purses for racing. And uh, Bob Keekeffer will be with, with us. He's covered racing for UPI or United Press International, for those of you that don't like the shortened version. And uh, he's pretty much been there, done that. He's kind of a uh, Chicago area guy now, but he grew up in Louisville, not far from Churchill Downs, and uh, used to, as so many of us, sneak out of dormitories to watch <laughs> the thoroughbreds, of course. He was at Fairmont and Cahokia Downs listening to the, the great Dave Johnson when he was cutting his teeth on the smaller circuits. So I really look forward to uh, talking to both Vic and Bob as the show progresses. And to remind you folks about our easy win forms over at winningponies.com. Continue to have success. Been doing really well in the warm weather climbs. Been really killing it down in Florida. Had uh, two nice winners at Tampa Bay this week. A 50-cent pick four that, and, a, and a $1 Super 5 both of them paid just over $6,000. It takes money to make money, and we want you to invest in the easy win forms. And at Gulfstream Park, we didn't do too bad either. We had three uh, payouts that were uh, $3,000 each, and that was on the 16th and the 20th at Gulfstream Park. So we're doing well down there, and we'll be getting on to a big race that's going to happen at Gulfstream Park, a, a champion returns. So that's a look at the lineup and our guest for tonight's show. Uh, again, uh, we're going to check with Bob on the actual airing time and where we can find uh, the Saudi Cup. I believe that'll be Friday night, our time. We'll check with that. Well, drum roll, please. Uh, the race is over, and the winner of the Kentucky Derby is Mandaloon. That's right. As a move we pretty much thought was inevitable, the late 
Medina Spirit was disqualified by the state stewards from a position as the winner of the 2021 Kentucky Derby. Uh, so it was posted Monday after a Zoom meeting with the stewards, and Bob Baffert was suspended from racing in Kentucky for 90 days to begin March 8th and end June 5th, and I believe with the reciprocal states, that will probably eliminate Bob's horses from the Preakness and the Belmont. We'll find out. The tail turns every day, it seems, because we've got attorneys involved. So uh, I think you all know the background on uh, Medina Spirit, you know, won the race a while after betamethasone. Turns out that that drug that's usually injected in the knees was not injected. Uh, was used as a topical uh, treatment uh, for a skin rash, but rules is rules. And uh, what can I say? Uh, the white-haired wonder will have to wait uh, at least two years before he gets back into the starting gate on the first Saturday in May. Of course, Brad Cox is just kind of playing the thing down didn't expect anything less from him. Uh, he just said, well, it's a race that'll have an asterisk by it, you know. He just said there's not a real feeling or emotion. It's unfortunate, but uh, I'm sure Brad will be happy to take his 10% <laughs> trainer share or whatever agreement he has worked out with the owners of Mandaloon, who, of course, will be taking center stage in the Saudi Cup. Uh, let's go USA. We're not doing too well in the Olympics. Maybe we can do well over in Saudi Arabia. Okay, Churchill Downs. Are they a racetrack or are they a casino company? Uh, well, the complexion is kind of changing down there. As Churchill Downs Incorporated, CDI, acquired Colonial Downs and a whole slew of betting parlors for... $2.4 billion. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's it's a chunk of money, but they're getting a chunk of property. In addition to uh, Colonial Downs, uh, they're getting the Delago Resort in Waterloo, New York, the Hard Rock in Sioux City, Iowa, uh, and uh, they're all... Uh, properties that operate traditional casinos or the kind of slot-like historical uh, racing. So as they expand their footprint, uh, Churchill Downs picks up Colonial Downs. And one I didn't mention that they, they also uh, – Colonial Downs operates uh, at least six uh, different facilities, and one of them, I love the name of this, Rosie's Gaming Emporium. <laughs> it just sounds down home. Rosie, I'm going over to Rosie's Gaming Emporium. Well, have a good time, honey. <laughs> okay. Late breaking news. Uh, I read Ortiz, the highs and the lows of being him. Today he won his 3,000th race, and he got hit with a five-day suspension. Ouch. Uh, so uh, 3,000 congratulations to Irad. It was certainly only a matter of time, and who knows how many he will log up before his career is over. Uh, now, this suspension is uh, unlike the one that he got in New York, uh, which was really lengthy. Um, he's not going to appeal the suspension, uh, so he'll be able to ride in the stakes on March 5th in Gulfstream Park. 
and uh, it happened in the sixth race. Uh, he was his horse was going out, and he was going left-handed. Um, so that is uh, does not look good on TV. And quite frankly, the stewards are watching Iran pretty close. So if his horse is going left, he better be tapping him right. All right. Talking about jockeys, how about David Cabrera out at Oak Lawn Park? His number of wins earns him Jockey of the Week. Uh, he uh, had uh, took the first four races on Monday, adding to his two wins on Sunday and four wins on Saturday. Ten wins. He gets Jockey of the Week. His agent, Joe Santos, uh, makes it a point to ride for several trainers. And, uh, you know, uh, he really is obviously welcome in a lot of barns. And uh, so uh, those two guys are doing very well right now. He's in a tie with Francisco Arietta for second place in the Oaklawn Park jockey standings with 30 wins. So his stats for the week, 26 starts, 10 wins, 4 seconds. Not bad, 53.8% in the money and took home 300000 Now, I alluded to what's going on in Florida. How about champion Latruska? She's coming back in the Royal Delta, and she loves Goldstream Park. So this will be her first test in defense of her championship that she recorded last year. It's a $150,000 grade three Royal Delta. Uh, at Gulfstream Park, and uh, she is just an amazing mare. Uh, this this race really plays to her strengths as far as the conditions are concerned. Uh, a mile and a sixteenth. There's some opposing speed, but uh, just not a, not enough in there that uh, can keep pace with her. As you know, she pretty much has fun with the field till about the sixteenth pole and just blows them away. We'll see what she can do. Loves the main track there is three for three. So tune in because uh, Latrusco will be back. And uh, her trainer said that she's likely pursue a title defense in the Apple Blossom at Oak Lawn Park. So we'll get a chance maybe to act Vic Stauffer about that one. So uh, let's take a look at the races we had uh, last week. Big day. Way down yonder in New Orleans where they kick off Mardi Gras week. Great time to be down there. Good luck to all the boys at the racetrack. Um, the, the big one, the Risen Star, a uh, 50-20-10 race. The winner goes to Epicenter. Steve Asmussen trained wire to wire. The question on this horse was, could it get the mile and a 16th distance? It led almost all the way in the mile and a 16th LeCompte, but got caught in there only by a head by Call Me Midnight. And so comes back to take the grade two $400,000 Risen Star. And the second spot was Smile Happy. Now, don't throw out Smile Happy. I know it was the, the, the favorite. It had a, a, just a, a really bad spot as far as positioning was in this race the whole way around. So the Kenny McPeak trainee, guided by uh, Corey Lannery, uh, finally found an opening along the rail, got down there, finished strongly, but not strong enough to keep catch epicenter who had things his own way on the lead uh keep an eye out for smile happy to bounce back and zandon did not race a bad race 
either. So keep an eye on all three, but they were the one, two, three finishers in the Risen Star. Now, the Rachel Alexandra upset time. The question we had in here is, can the Brad Cox trainee transmit her turf form to the dirt? She had never run on a dirt track before, and well, hope you took the chance on saying she could do it. $37 for the win. Second, 15 to one shot, Goddess of Fire. And third, Awake at Midnight. So, folks, Turner Loose was let loose by Florent Giroux for trainer Brad Cox. May well see her in the starting gate at the Kentucky Oaks. Also at the fairgrounds, the mine shaft, a lot of talent in here. And going away with the win, it was Olympiad who pulled away in the stretch at odds of four to one. Silver Prospector almost got the job done, led to the 16th, and got caught in the third spot. Was at three to one, Miles D, the horse I like the best. And also at the fairgrounds, we went on the turf and leading every step of the way in the grade three fairgrounds was Cavalry Charge, a beautiful ride by Brian Hernandez Jr. Led every step of the way. Yes, got the head bob at the wire and uh, outlasted the Irish bred Adamo. Cavalry Charge paid 72.60. Trained by Dallas Stewart. You can't leave anything he trains out of your ticket. So uh, that's pretty much a wrap-up of things that we looked at last week and uh, a wrap-up of the latest national news. Right now we're going to take a quick break because I want to get to our friend down at Oaklawn Park, Vic Stoffer. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right. Well, we get a lot of Eclipse Award winners on the show, and we're lucky to have another one back with us, uh, Vic Stauffer, who's uh, uh, pitching in for a co-worker who had a last-minute snafu where he can't make it. I greatly appreciate him being here. Of course, Vic, you've been, if you've uh, been listening to racing any time in the last two decades, you've heard his voice. Uh, of course, Hollywood Park was his home for a long time, called there for 13 years. Uh, let's also put Gulfstream, Hialeah, and Golden Gate uh, on the list of uh, races, uh, race tracks that uh, he's called at. As far as races he's called, think about some of the racing greats. Barbaro, Hell's Hope, Game On Dude, uh, one of my favorites, Lava Man, Shared Belief, Pioneer Without Look at a Lucky Azari. Now he, now he calls a race that's named after that horse. Uh, Blind Luck, the Tin Man Cal- I could go on, but I, this is only an hour-long show. Vic Stoffer, thanks for coming back. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you kind of buried the lead because everybody, when they start making those lists, they usually start with Zenyatta. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's cool stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, what what a what an honor to be able to call horses like that. When we spoke a couple of weeks ago, I mean, your career is so long. Uh, there was just so many questions I could ask you in the time allotted. One thing we didn't touch on is you being a jockey agent. I mean, that in itself is worth a spot. Now, how did you kind of tiptoe into it? Were you uh, in a different part of the game first? You became an announcer. Uh, you Were you an announcer, and then you became a jockey agent? Kind of describe to me the evolution of Vic Stoffer as a jockey agent. When you're an announcer and you're first starting out with your career, it's very, very difficult to work year-round. Um, I was kind of like the Crash Davis of announcers in that I bounced around in the bus leagues all over the country. But it's very, very hard, even to this day, to get announcing jobs that fill up the entire calendar year. So to pay the bills, you've got to find something else to do. And jockey agenting seemed like a good, uh, a natural transition for me. I had friends that were jockeys. I had friends that were trainers. Um, I knew a little bit about uh, about the conditions of races and uh, was a decent handicapper. And so that just sort of evolved. And uh, over the years, we've, we added it up the over, over the years. I've probably had about 100 different riders uh, at different wow. times. Um, and it's great fun. When, when, when you're a jocks agent and you win a race, you really do feel like you're part of the team. And uh-huh. uh, I, I know that for the owner and the trainer and the jock, they really are the forefront of the team. But when you're an agent, there's a feeling that you get that the only way that's replicated is to be an owner. Um, and uh, I, I really enjoy working with the riders and, and, and trying to make a difference um, because, you know, great riders are going to have their business. And I always told them, if I, can, if I can make your paycheck just 25% more than it would have been, then I'm paying for myself. And so that was always my goal, because really anybody can, can write down the calls and put it in the condition book. If a writer's got a lot of business, it's hard to mess that up. But uh, when I was an agent, I, I, I tried to you know, hit the books and talk to trainers and think about spots for horses. And, uh, and then I would, try to, uh, I would try to impart my work ethic on the jocks, because the ones that get out there in the morning and work horses and, and interact with the trainers, they're the ones that have a lot more success than some that like to stay in bed. Well, parting is such sweet sorrow. How would you, after you developed, obviously, a, a good relationship, and quite frankly, your little black book's got some who's who of jockeys in there, uh, how do you far, finally part amicably? 
you don't. I got fired. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the big, the biggest name jockey I ever had um, is Joel Rosario, who just uh, who just won the Eclipse Award, and I had Joel both at uh, Bay Meadows when it was open, and then at Hollywood Park for 28 months. And um, I did a very stupid thing. Um, I, I asked Joel if it was okay if I took a second rider, and that was Martin Garcia. And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. It's, that's no problem. And I said, if it's ever a problem, if you think it's a conflict at any point, you tell me, and Martin knows, and I'll stay with you. And he said, no, no, it's no problem. I checked with him every other day. Well, it wasn't a problem until Martin won the Santa Anita Handicap, and Joel finished eighth in the Santa Anita Handicap on a horse he thought he could have ridden, and I was down the road. So oh. that, that, was a, that, that was a bad mistake I made there. Um, but, uh, I couldn't have done what Ron Anderson has done now with Joel. He's put him on the world stage and, uh, he is a preeminent jocks agent and has a lot more connections and a lot more business than I ever would have had. I would have never had Joel leave Southern California and had, had he not left Southern California, he wouldn't have won the derbies and the breeders' cups and the, and, and all of the big races that he's won. So, but it was a pleasure to work for him. And, uh, uh, a tremendous amount of talent, as we saw this year, with it finally finally culminating in in an Eclipse Award. It, it's fantastic. Well, uh, it's hard to believe that you've been Oaklawn's announcer since uh, 2017. It just whew, t- time flies, but it, it, it's it's a great track. I was just talking to uh, Byron King from the Blood Horse. Keep an eye out for him in the press box because he's on his way down there. He was actually uh, en route as he was going down, so he was telling me how much he loves the track and everything. I think he's just down there on a busman's holiday. I could be wrong, but uh, and. Anyhow, it, it's a great place. I won't go into that. I, I do it every year when the track opens. But you've got some great racing there. This week uh, on Saturday, you've got two as we jump the, the point system up, 50, 20, 10, 5, as I told everybody earlier. And uh, we'll start out with the honeybee. That's the ladies. Um, it's not a deep field. But, Vic, do you do the morning line out there? No. I don't. We actually have three different people in the racing office that collaborate to do the morning line. Well, this honeybee had to be a real challenge because you can't really find a favorite in here. Uh, I couldn't possibly disagree with you more. Um, Really? I I, I want to hear this. Secret Oath is one of the best three-year-old fillies I've ever seen in my life. And she will be less than even money. She'll be something like three to three to five, maybe one to two. Um, she she is truly very very special. Now the race that she won in the Martha Washington, it was amazing because I wondered if she could win with no pace in front of her. But when you're a truly elite horse, you don't even really need race shape. And if you go back and watch that replay, watch Louis Contreras turn her loose at the three-eighths pole and then have to grab her again because he realized when he had done that, if he just let her run from there, she was going to win by 30 lengths. (laughs) And so he re-grabs her, takes a hold of her, and then turns her loose again at the head of the stretch. She runs off and wins by seven and a half. Now, in this honeybee, there's some nice horses in there. There's no getting around it. There are nice horses in there. But they're all speed. Optionality, Yugi Girl. Ice Orchid, Feel Like a Girl, those, those fillies all have one way to go. 
So not only is Secret Oath the best horse, but she's going to get the best trip. You're going to see a horse that can win, and I make her my favorite right now to win the Kentucky Oaks. I think she is that good, wow. and she will be an odds-on favorite. She'll either be three to five or one to two, one of the two. Well, you know, I, I really and I and I wrote her up in my pre-race release as the the one to watch. Uh, I just think it's great. I mean, you go back. D. Wayne Lucas won the first four runnings of this race, but Vic, it was in 1988 through 91. Then he came back, he won it in 2007. And how great is it for him in his, shall we say, twilight years to still be hitting all his pistons at the top of the game? Oh, it's really great. Um, and, and that's another thing that makes, makes me have such confidence in her because I know he's being, she's being handled by somebody that knows how to campaign a truly good horse. Um, I wonder if the coach doesn't have it in the back of his mind that she, she might run in the Derby, not in the Oaks, because she's that good. She is that good. Wow. Um, we'll see how it goes. The fantasy would be next. And then I think he'd have to make a decision. But, oh, by the way, a little filly called Winning Colors won the Kentucky Derby who just happened to be trained by, trained by Wayne Lucas. So I think Secret Oath is, is that good, and I think he'll have to make a decision after the fantasy whether or not to try the boys in the Derby. That's how good I think she is, John. That's great. Well, I, I will share with you. She's my she's my top pick too, but not as emphatic as yours. Uh, she certainly loves the Oaklawn Strip. Uh, she's uh, shown her ability at a mile and a sixteenth. I mean, all, all the stars are lined up for Secret Oath. Um, I guess a little bit of a mystery horse in here might be you, girl, if you pronounce it that way. For uh, Rudolph Percet, hasn't started since the Goldenrod. Yeah, I, um, I. Uh... Reached out to Rudy Brissett today to get the proper pronunciation of her uh, name, and it's Ugri. So Ugri. Um, Ugri. Just take All out right. the uh, you take out the second U, and you go U, and then Gi, and then Ri, and it's Ugri. Um, I got it. She's nice. She's nice by Shackelford, who won the Preakness. Um, she she hasn't run since November, and she's running against horses that have not only been in training but been in training at Oakland, and that makes it very difficult for her. But there's no getting around that she's a nice filly. Um, I would think this is you don't prep in a Grade Three for three hundred thousand, but maybe she wouldn't be all the way tightened down with the Oaks and the and the Fantasy in front of her. Um, if Secret Oath doesn't run her A race, UG Re can definitely win. Well, we'll, we'll, we will find out. That's the fifth at Oak Lawn. Uh, That'll be uh, at 2.10 their time, central time, uh, which would be 3.10 if you're Eastern Standard Time. Uh, One last thing, and I want to really get onto the Rebel because we got a a much fuller feel, but um, when I was looking at Ice Orchid, who's a filly that looks like she's developing well, um, I I noticed in a couple races, Vic, that uh, Ricardo Santana – is riding for other people in races that Steve Asmussen has a horse in. Uh, have they parted ways? They parted ways about two months ago. Um, uh-huh. When he wrote it, well, actually, it's more than that now. He he got ice cold at Keeneland. He went one for eighty nine at Keeneland. Right, right. And and of course, it had to be his fault. It wasn't it wasn't anybody else's fault. It had to be the jock's fault because that never. We're gonna win a horse. <laughs> Uh, I, I happen to think he's a difference maker and a, 
absolutely elite rider. However, um, after that, Steve Asmussen, when he came to Oakland, he said that Santana would not be his unquestioned first call rider, that he was going to spread it out. And then not long after that, Joel Rosario came to Oakland and has become his first call rider. But Joel goes out of town a lot. And so, like, he went down for the Pegasus for next go, and he's in Saudi Arabia this week. So Steve has spread it out, and right now he doesn't seem to be putting Santana on anything. Um, he brought Tyler Gaffleyone this year in this week to ride, and um, they'll get back together at some point because Steve understands what a true great talent Santana is. But right now they are estranged lovers. Thank you. I knew you'd be able to clear that up. Now, in the Grade 2 Rebel, that's going to be the marquee race, a million dollars on the line, and you've attracted a field of 11. i got to make sure I always flip the page to Dash Attack. Um, that uh, in here, the storyline, obviously, New Grange. I mean, this horse, it almost looks like the race was written for it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's shown that he can rate Excellent pedigree, excellent connections with Bob Baffert. John Velasquez will be in town to ride. Uh, everything seems to point to that horse other than the head scratcher of, well, if he wins, those 50 points don't mean anything for him. But on the other hand, $600,000 means a lot to Bob Baffert and his connections. Sure. Also, I mean, you don't take away the grading. It's a grade two stake, and and he's a full horse by violence. Um New Grange is a total conundrum for me because Johnny Velasquez told Bob Baffert after the Southwest Stakes that he didn't feel like New Grange liked the racetrack at Oakland, which is very, very rare. Most horses, most jocks, Oakland is just such a good racetrack that that's never an excuse. The reason why he rated last time out was he didn't rate. Velasquez wanted to make the lead for him, but he just was spinning his wheels a little bit at the clubhouse turn, and he ended up having to finish, having to lay third. If you go back and look at the Southwest, you wouldn't have given him a snowball's chance of winning the race at the 316th pole. And then, because he's such a good horse, he got into a new gear, and he leveled out, and he ran down Barber Road and Ben Diesel. I thought we wouldn't see him back here, but trainers know more than jocks about their horses. And so Baffert sent him back, and here he is, and he will be the favorite. He's undefeated, and he is a very, very nice racehorse. No getting around it. Vic Stoffer, is there an upsetter lying in this fairly full field uh, for the Rebel Stakes? You bet there is. It's chasing time. Um, he's 8-1 to one on the line. I, I think he'll get that down a little bit from that, but not dr- dramatically, because Barbara Rhodes going to take take money. He ran second to New New Grange, and Ben Diesel ran third. So those horses will be the prices that they ought to be. I was extremely impressed with Chasing Time when he won an allowance race in the middle of January, and he ran very very fast on Thoroughgraph, which is the speed figures that I use. He ran a four. New Grange in his last race ran a three and a half, which is only a half point faster. So you're getting a horse that's trained by a Hall of Famer who points for races specifically like this. These are the races. Well, Baffert does that too, of course. 
But this is all about Asmussen and winning races, graded races at Oakland. When Baffert doesn't win, Asmussen does, like the Super Stock race last year in the Arkansas Derby. Chasing time gets Tyler Gaffley-Owen. And I think the most important thing about him is he's liable to get a really good trip because the horse that's drawn on the rail, Kavad, has one way to go. Ariette is going to send him. I would expect Baffert will see if Newgrange can be in front in this one. I think he's going to ask Johnny V to send him out of there, certainly to press early. That's the way Baffert tells his riders to ride two-year-olds. So now you've got those two dueling. You've got a bunch of horses that don't really have much early speed, and then you've got Chasing Time, who is very tactical, and I see him laying third behind two horses dueling on the front and getting an absolute dream trip. He's good enough. He's got the right connections. He's 8-1. to one. He's my pick to win the Rebel. Chasing time for Tyler Gaffleone at 8-1. to one. Oh, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, from the lips of announcer Vic Stauffer. Uh, chasing time. It could be upset time for for Bob Baffert, uh, who's won this race is uh, uh, eight times. He's won the last two runnings. And uh, again, as we know, uh, he won't be garnering derby points. But as you said, uh, this horse down the road as a stallion will, uh, if he wins, garner the grade two. Uh, they can't take that away from him for sure. Well, it looks to be an interesting race. I mean, let's face it. They're three-year-olds up-and-comers, but as you pointed out, it's all about how this race sets up. And you got Cavad, who I think is a little bit on the cheap speed side. You got New Grange that, as you just stated, will probably be a big part of that pace scenario. And chasing time, you just painted the picture. He can just sit it off if need be. And, uh, you know, I, I from everything I can see on paper and get from your voice, uh, the extra 16th of a mile will be no problem for chasing time. No, he was he was just getting going in that allowance race. Um, it, 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 it's not going to be a problem at all for him, especially with Asmussen. I mean, he is such a good trainer. Um, we, we have a bunch of great trainers in this race, but you got two that are that are iconic in Baffert and Asmussen, and and I think that's going to be the race. Uh, Newgrange is nice, and Chasing Time will have to run the best race of his life, but uh, he certainly is the right bet when. You figure that New Grange will be about seven to five, and Chasing Time will be six or seven to one. Hey, thank you very much, Mr. Stoffer. I appreciate it greatly, and I really thank you for for coming out at such late notice. Uh, you, you're a good man, Vic Stoffer. Have a great weekend out there at Hot Springs. All right. All right, John. Thank you so much. All right. That was Vic Stauffer. Oakland Park's the place to be on the weekend, folks. So tune in. Got two great races that we previewed there, and it was really a solid card from top to bottom. A lot of betting opportunities. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to uh, talk to, shall I say, a first-time starter on Winning Ponies, and that's Bob Keekeffer from United Press International. He'll be talking to us about the races at Saudi and some of his vast experiences in the world of racing. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. And they're off. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with us now, Bob Keekeffer, the first chance we've had to get him on the show. And I'm so glad we have just in the few chances I've had to talk with him. Uh, this is the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with at, at the racetrack, although I'm not sure where the racetrack could be. If you hang out with Bob, it could be at Inter-Mongolia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, South Africa, Dubai, and Saudi Arabia, uh, Santa Lucia, or Probably most importantly, you you could on on a really bad day find find him in East St. Louis at Cahokia Downs. Bob, how are you? Not at Cahokia Downs anymore. It's been gone for a long time. It it burned down, I think, a long long time ago. But Fairmont Park is still there, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it's uh, it's one of those places. that's uh, well, actually, it's an interesting story. I'm doing fine. We can talk about Fairmont Park some other time. <laughs> how are you, John? I'm doing okay. No, I want about the want to know about the, your early days uh, and you f- falling in love or getting attracted to the sport because I know that wasn't your first uh, uh, intro to the United Press International, but you kind of through certain connections ended up inheriting the racing scene. Yeah, you know that the uh, I, I wound up through no fault of my own as being Illinois editor for United Press International back in the uh, mid '70s, and then. When the Arlington Million came along, I was responsible for making sure that we had that covered for the National International Sports Flyers, you know, the first million-dollar thoroughbred race. So I looked around at my sports people, and I said, all right, which of you mopes knows something about thoroughbred racing? And they all kind of looked at me with these strange expressions. So I said, well, okay, I guess I'll do it myself. You know, I, I had spent a lot of time at the tractor in my college years, probably more than I should have. Uh, so I started there, and, you know, it, it kind of grew from there. Um and uh, as as I aged through the uh, decades, I started spreading my wings a little bit and started going overseas and writing for UPI and then for the Blood Horse later on. And uh, for the last 20 years or so, I've been doing um, a lot of the international coverage for the Blood Horse from every place from Singapore to Hong Kong and Japan to Dubai and Qatar and South Africa and places like that. It's... it's uh, you know, it's fascinating. The the international racing scene is just. Um, you know, I, I I wish more Americans would pay more attention to it because it's it's uh, it's really it's really fascinating and really colorful and really um, really competitive. And, you know, the queens involved. What the heck? <laughs> 
Yeah, but back in the day, she always had to come here to breed her good horses. Uh, I know she used to tour, tour the farms in Lexington with my friend Tony Leonard, the photographer. Uh, but hey, before we go on to talking about Saudi Arabia, I just want to let you know, I won't hold it against you that you went to St. Louis University. Uh, I'm a University of Dayton guy. <laughs> well... You know, back in the day, uh, this is, we're talking the early 1960s now, St. Louis U was in the Missouri Valley Conference and uh, was a real basketball powerhouse. Um, but uh, that, that was a long, long time ago. It was, it was, but uh, just just wanted to bring that up. But so anyhow, I, so I I know that as you mentioned, you know, your kind of first, first steps into it was uh, the Arlington Million. So are you based in the Chicago area? I am indeed. I've lived here since 1968. I started working for UPI in 1968 in Chicago. Uh, second day on the job, I got my head split open by a cop during the convention riots. Uh, <laughs> you were back there in the fun. day. That's yeah, back for there sure. In the day, you know, getting your head split is a bad thing, but on the other hand, I had a good excuse the rest of my career. I said, hey, you can't blame me. I got my head hit by a cop, you know. Yeah, I had a serious head injury, you know. I was I was being part of the solution and not a part of the problem, you know. That's good. But, yeah, that can well, also explain the fascinating horse racing. You know, you gotta gotta have some excuse. <laughs> you gotta be hitting the head as a young kid to like the game. <laughs> yeah, it's like being a Cubs fan. If you're a Cubs fan, you better start early before the age of reason. <laughs> well, they could say that about a few other cities, but yeah, each each one of us has has our own uh, thing to bear. Well, uh, now this the Saudi Cup's coming up, and you, you helped clarify things for me early today. And I'm sure I'm not the only person out there going, "Let's see, Saudi Cup, Maidan, Dubai, is this the same thing?" Can you explain to us the 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 difference between the two and where the one takes place and the other, and uh, sure. you know better than us, so help me here. It, it, well, you know, the, the uh, you know, horses originally came from the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, and, and uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al Maktoum, who's the ruler of Dubai, which, by the way, is a pretty cool title. When I'm in charge of something, I want to be ruler. Uh, back about like 30 it. years ago, he decided that, uh, that, that, that Dubai, which was just emerging as a as a world force at that point, should also be a world force in horse racing. So he started the Dubai World Cup, uh, which, of course, you know, Cigar went over and won the first edition and kind of put it on the map. And uh, the purse for that has grown since. Now it's up to $12 million. And he put a bunch of other good races around it. And it was really the, the, the first, um, you know, on, on the cutting edge of, of, of international racing, especially as far as American uh, trainers and horsemen were concerned. So that's that's in Dubai. Dubai is 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 on the Arabian Peninsula, right on on the, on the Gulf. Uh, it's a little spit of land that sticks out into it. It's one of the one of the various Emirates of the United Arab Emirates. So time goes by, and, and some of the other Emirates uh, added some races. There are, there are races of some consequence in Qatar and Abu Dhabi and a couple of other places. But then. Four years ago, uh, the rulers of um, Saudi Arabia, which is the, the big country that takes up most of the peninsula, decided that they wanted to be a force, too, as, they, as Saudi Arabia tries to emerge onto the world scene, kind of from its, um, you know, more conservative background, shall we say. So they came up with the Saudi Cup, and they put up $20 million bucks for it. And it's, it's in Riyadh, which is uh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. 
uh, a modern city, but but very much, you know, if you go to Dubai, it's it's, it's almost like a Western city. A lot of the people are wearing Arab clothing, and uh, there's Arab music and calls to prayer from the from the synagogues, from the from the mosques, and so on. Uh, but it's pretty Western. But if you go to Riyadh, you're in Saudi Arabia, and it's really uh, Arabic. Um, they're they're getting a little more modern, but it's really Arabic. But anyway, so I said to myself, you know, are people really going to want to go to Saudi Arabia to race their horses? So I called up Bob Baffert, and I said, Bob, what do you think about this? I mean, nobody knows, really. You know, he says, he says listen, he says, if you put up 20 million bucks, you're going to get good horses in your starting game. And he's right. They, they've got. So now you've got horses running in Saudi Arabia. You've got them in Dubai. You've got them in Qatar. You've got them in Abu Dhabi. You've got them in Bahrain. Uh, and there's a real strong push now being pushed largely by the Saudi people, uh, Prince Bandar, to kind of smooth the uh, infrastructure for all of those races so that they can make it into more of a, a circuit so that we uh, p- people can send their horses from Europe or from America or from Japan, which is now a big deal over there, and, and, and kind of fill the space between the end of the season in Europe, the end of the season in Japan, the end of the season here after Breeders' Cup, and fill that up until the springtime when things start up again with a series of races. Now it's difficult because you have to – it's hard to move horses back and forth. It's hard, to, um, it, it's hard to do the quarantine and all the paperwork. If they can smooth that out, add some money to some of these places. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be fascinating. Does that help? Well, uh, th- now, I, I, I'm also, well, thank you very much for clearing that up. And now, now clear up my time zone. Sometimes I'm not sure which one I'm in, let alone dealing with the Saudi Cup. So will we be uh, looking to view that on Friday night? Well, it's, it's about, no, it, it'll be... Um, It'll be early on Saturday morning. They they start at uh, I've got the times here someplace, but it's 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 ten hours ahead of me, so nine hours ahead of you in, in Central Time. So the the first three races on Saturday are the turf races. That's another story in itself. I'll get to that in a second if you want. Yeah. But, uh, my time that's going to be around uh, seven o'clock, I think, in the morning. So it'll be around eight o'clock your time. All right. Well, I'll have to set the alarm. I usually like to stay, but that now that's Saturday morning, correct? Saturday morning, that's correct. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get up a little bit earlier and check that out. Well, it looks like uh, things went well at the draw for uh, <clears throat> for the American horses, and that uh, you know none of them really got parked outside, and a, a couple of the top, uh, you know shall I say, European invaders, for lack of a better word, uh, Mishrif, last year's winner, and, and Marsh Lorraine, who was a Breeders' Cup uh, winner, have to break from 13 and 14. I don't know the layout of the track. Is that uh, very much a, of something that would hurt a horse in a race like this? Well, not as much as you might think. Uh, it, it's it's a one-turn mile and an eighth. Uh, so there's a really long run down the back stretch before they get to the turn. So there's plenty of time to jockey for position. And, you know, I, I can remember uh, Wayne Lucas used to tell us about the Kentucky Derby. He said, you get drawn inside, you get drawn, that's bad. If you get drawn inside, it's bad. You get drawn outside, he says, if you do the geometry of it to go from the number 20 gate to that first turn 
or you go from the number 60 to that turn, you're only adding, you know, a couple of strides because it's such a long way out of that first turn. Pretty much the same thing at, at, at Saudi. But, but the track in Saudi Arabia is, um, well, when I was there the first year they had the, the, the race, um, the American trainers were just raving about the, the quality of the track over there, about how, how great it was, how safe it was, how kind it was to the horses, how fair it was. In fact, some of them said, why don't we send some of the American track superintendents over here, take a look at your track. Maybe they can help make our tracks better. Of course, right. it's a little easier when you're in the desert than when you're in you know, a place like you know, Cincinnati or Chicago. <laughs> hot springs. Oh, hot springs, you're right. Hot springs in January. Not exactly Riyadh in, in uh, February. Well, I guess maybe the guys from Southern California would benefit from it because <laughs> their weather's yeah, pretty you know. steady. Uh, so, well, so it'll yeah. it'll be a one turn now. Now they go in meters, but we're looking at about a mile and an eighth. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, and, and of course, the, the headliner for us uh, here in the states would be the uh, what might be news to some uh, that the Kentucky Derby winner is going to be running in there, Mandaloon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it'd be quite a week for Mandaloon if on Tuesday he can be declared the Kentucky Derby winner and on Saturday he wins the world's richest horse race. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to do that again. <laughs> exactly, that's right, exactly. That's a good week for everybody or anybody. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because everybody, yeah, I think American people are looking at Mandaloon versus Midnight Bourbon. And, uh, you know, that's going to be, I, I think and hope is going to be a great, great, matchup between those two horses for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, you, you talked about Marsh Lorraine. Uh, that is not the Japanese horse to watch. Uh, the other one is uh, T.O. Uh, what the heck is his name? I can never Keens. remember. Keynes or Keynes? Ke- Ke- yeah, Ke- Keynes. K-E-Y-N-E-S is how it's spelled. Right. Man. He is he is Japan's reigning dirt horse of the year from, 20, or from uh, 2021. Yeah, he's he's way better than Marshall Lorraine. He's he's one that you got to keep an eye out for. Um, and you know, Baffert, you know, was looking at the number one draw for Country Grammar, and uh, Country Grammar hasn't run for like nine months or something like that. But but the way I heard Baffert talking about that number one draw is he's kind of bad mouth, kind of kind of mush mouthing it, and it's almost like you know, if you know Baffert, it's almost like he's he's thinking to himself, this horse has a chance, and I'm not going to say anything to jinx him. So. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a great race. It's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of good horses. Mishriff won last year from, from gate 12, so 14 doesn't bother me too much. No, he's, he's a great horse. Well, you know, from everything, you know, uh, we've been seeing videos and stuff. It looks like the uh, the North American horses have settled uh, in over there. Uh, but it is amazing over the last couple of years that how we've observed racing and there has been more international transportation that really just how well some of these horses acclimate to, to the other uh, countries. It is it is interesting. And, and um, you know, really, truly, you think about um, – uh, these big races in, in, in the Mideast, and, and they're, they're designed for American horses. Uh, they're on dirt. Uh, they, make, you know, they make it easy for Americans to come over. I mean, you know, what would have happened to the Dubai World Cup all those years ago if Cigar hadn't come over and won the first one? Right. I can remember I, I, was, I was at, a, at an OTB 
in downtown Chicago at the corner of State and Lake Street under the L tracks to watch that race. And the people in, in that OTB were the, what, what uh, Dave Feldman, the sometimes surf rider, used to call the broken-down horsemen. Uh, it, I mean, these, these are, you know, people who were not exactly, you know, the gentry, the, 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 the top class. And, you know, they're cynical, and they're, they're used to watching horses run at Sportsman's and Hawthorne Park. Well, when that race went off, and uh, uh, Cigar was charging down the stretch, and it was a close race between two Americans. These people were up on their feet, yelling and screaming for Cigar. It was, it was just unbelievable. And I knew then that the whole thing was going to work and it was going to be great. But it's only because the Americans came. If the Americans hadn't come, it wouldn't have worked. Oh, that, that, that's, a, that's a great story. Well, we've been talking with Bob uh, Kikaffer, and uh, let me tell you, Bob, it won't be the last time. I, I, you really, you've got such a broad experience. Uh, we've got to get you back on to talk some more about your international experience, and uh, uh, perhaps when the big race at Maidan uh, swings around, will you be going over there? No, I'm not going to be there for the for the World Cup. I am going over next week, and I'll be there for Super Saturday, which is the uh, the last uh, uh, big uh, preview weekend before the World Cup. This is, you know, the whole thing has been scrambled by the pandemic, and I, I this will be my first overseas trip in two years since I went to the first Saudi Cup, uh, and and I'm I'm really, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but I, I had some other commitments that just made it impossible to go to Saudi this year or to the Dubai World Cup. But in December, if things have calmed down enough, I expect to be, well, in November, I hope to be back in Japan, December in Hong Kong, and then, with God willing, or as they say in the Middle East, inshallah, uh, Allah willing. Uh, well, we'll Bob, Bob I, my producer tells me I've got to say aloha and uh, <laughs> I want, to, I want to thank you very much for being on the show, and I will be back in touch. Thanks a lot for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again. It's about time we did this. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was uh, Bob Keekeffer. I really want to thank Vic Stauffer. He helped me out in a pinch out there. Great racing at Hot Springs. Get up early on Saturday morning, and don't forget, racing everywhere all over the place. A lot of big fields. Pull down the easy win forms, ladies and gentlemen. Winningponies.com, that's where you've got all of the action. Once again, thanks for joining us here. And, hey, if you got a friend and say, hey, that was a really fun show, you want to listen to it, don't forget, they can listen to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, they can listen to Stitcher, of course, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, our Facebook. Come on, folks. You can't miss this show. It's everywhere. For everyone at Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.